Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Great help does not have to be a mission impossible. And we're talking about long hauler syndrome and COVID, and I'm getting to the what's called the spike protein side of it. Uh, so again, this is a pathophysiology. I'm not getting into the treatment and uh, other than like treatments that have come up in relationship to, for instance, spike protein. And we talked about that earlier um, with Dr. Pat- Bruce Patterson's uh, research that's gone along with uh, COVID-19. All the inflammatory cytokines that come along with it, such as the cytokine storm. But let's talk about this spike protein that comes along. First of all, um, spike protein, it's in the blood and it affects your olfactory nerve, which is how you breathe. And then a little bit more about uh, clotting issues as we go through there. So don't think, okay, I've got COVID or I had a vaccination. I have the spike protein in my blood and we're all doomed. Okay, that's not it. So there, there are a lot of people who do have like nothing that's going on with them. Um, 30% of people who have COVID will have long hauler syndrome. 50% of people who are hospitalized at one point with COVID will have long hauler syndrome. These are the ones I'm really talking about. But keep in mind that if you've had COVID or a COVID vaccination with a spike protein, they're guesstimating based on other coronavirus research because coronavirus came out of China um, a long, long time ago. So 20 years of research before COVID-19 came out. But they're finding that type 2 diabetes for people that didn't have any diabetes or genetic factors or their lifestyle wasn't there are, are showing up. So there's secondary things that come along with it. So we have to understand what a spike protein is and see how people are affected by it. Uh, there's a, a particular study that came out of the Journal of Nature and that SARS-CoV-2 is associated with changes in the brain. Um, that's not good. And they're, they're thinking that it, it even comes across as a protein that starts to become a prion. Well, prions, if you've ever heard of prion-based diseases, maybe you've heard of it, mad cow disease, Krypto-Yakov disease. Um, there's um, wasting away, and uh, like, uh, especially in the northeast, where um, moose, deer, caribou, you know, start to smashing their head against a rock and kill themselves. That's uh, a prion disease that go there. There's um, uh, headhunters used to eat brains of, you know, humans, and they got kuru. Uh, so dating myself here, over 30 years ago, I wrote a research article, um, metadata analysis of even Critzfeld Yakov disease and the emerging uh, prion pathology. So that was the first public or paper that I wrote that actually got published in um, in the college that I was at. And so this this how this stuff comes about has always been fascinating. I, I, don't, I mean, even even looking at Ebola is fascinating on how smart it is to get through there or how cancer uh, tricks the immune system to get there. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm thrilled when somebody has that condition. I'm not. But trying to figure out and understand what the, the process is, is going around here, and that's what we're talking about, the spike protein today. So the spike protein, um, it, it really doesn't matter. Here's what I want to want to say: whether you got vaccinated or not, whether you got COVID or not, um, or whether you got COVID without being vaccinated, or you got COVID and you were had a spike protein plus a vaccine. That, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Spike protein is spike protein, okay? And um, it impairs just by its own nature. It impairs the endothelial function and it regulates of this ACE um, enzyme. So we talked about that already. And so we know that it, what it does is it actually binds to um, uh, a portion of the ACE uh, enzyme. And normally, when that happens, it, it's the end of it. But even if the virus doesn't enter your cell, it's just hanging out and it's bound to the ACE enzyme, the, the spike protein in the stimulation cause dysregulation within the cell. That's that's a new phenomenon that goes there. Now, ACE enzyme um, can be inflammatory. Um, so... 
sorry, pro-inflammatory. And uh, when this spike comes, it does again, doesn't matter, virus or the vaccine or both, and it attaches. Again, you get this dysregulation in the cellular state, and so you end up with inflammation or pro-inflammation, meaning it, it's promoting inflammation. So whether the spike protein is produced today or tomorrow or years later, it, it can disrupt the immune system. Um, that's sometimes good and sometimes bad. It all depends on where you're at in your health and how the dysregulation comes in. So sometimes you just need a dysregulation and then your, your body goes through its normal cascade. Um, and and, and I'm, I'm going to get into a little bit more detail on that. So uh, what the normal immune cascade is involved and again i'm not an immunologist i'm not a virologist i've only studied this stuff for 30 years but i don't have a piece of paper um that says that i am in that in that need so um that's what i'm going to put out there it's just a uh, not necessarily a liability i just want you to understand that i i'm not in that field i just have been hanging out in that field <laughs> for around the corner for an awful long time so this this stuff i mean when i'm reading the papers or whatnot it, it, it makes sense of what's what's going on because it's it's what I've been into. I mean, when you get stuck into a hobby, you know that you can, uh, well, maybe. I have a novelty gene, which means I get obsessed with things, and it must be done, and I must know all about it or be really, really good at something um, um, just for fun. So so let's go. If somebody had a COVID infection, they have a lot of the spike protein running around in the blood. It can cause damage. And so when somebody's not responding, let's even say to a vaccine, they might have a too much spike protein that is spilled into the blood or in the local tissues have an issue. Um, so we can't really say that it's COVID or the vaccine and that every single case will die from spike protein that's going out there. You, you can't generalize that no one will respond negatively with spike protein out there. So I just want to make sure that we're on the same page. So what the spike protein is, is a foreign um, protein. And once a foreign protein to the body, the definition is called antigen. And antigens are to be presented, this is the antigen presenting cell, to the immune system. And hopefully the body makes antibodies to the antigen. So um, outside of the body, again, it was where antigen comes from. And then we make some antibodies. And the idea is that they bind to it and the immune system can come uh, eat it up. So sometimes there's a complement pathway that comes along. Sometimes there's... Uh, an inflammatory response to bring more heat to the area so the immune system can come there and we shunt blood to that area and then the white blood cells depending on which one gets there um, you know technically neutrophils are for bacterial but they they hold a lot of other toxins and other things and they go up when they start to have uh, periods of inflammation the lymphocytes are for um, i mean generalization here viral but then you have different types of lymphocytes you have t cells you have b cells you have t helper cells you have t regulatory cells you have t suppressor cells uh, CD4, CD8, names that you might have heard before as, as we're going through this whole thing. And there's a lot of things that happen along the way. And then eosinophils are typically for parasites and allergies. Um, and then uh, we have mast cells or basophils, which are more into your allergy side. And um, I'll get to the whole mast cell side of it as, as we're going through this. So let's say you have this normal cascade that comes along the complement system starts to become active which is part of your immune system but in turn it turns on because it should uh, more inflammation to the area of activation so let's say for instance i i got shot in the arm okay so we're gonna have some complement that's going there and that's why you have usually pain at the injection site that's totally normal but uh, when that happens when you start making more inflammation the liver starts making more inflammatory molecules and we get what's called acute phase reactants 
so acute phase reactants or C-reactive protein can come up, uh, A1C can come up, insulin can come up, uh, ferritin can come up. These are acute phase reactants that we're looking at, and at least in our world, we look at those and every single one of our new patients that's walking the door, and then we monitor them if any of them's high, because that's part of the, the treatment. And it doesn't matter what you have. Um, and, and keep in mind, nobody is so lucky on this earth to have one condition um, even if you feel like you're in perfect health and you can't find anything, I promise you something's sucking in you. But that doesn't mean we have to go dissect you and <laughs> find out this is the one thing that's wrong with you. No, no, you have so many things that are working well for you. Roll with it. Uh, and, you know, that, that's not it. So I'm, I'm not the sky is falling kind of a person, kind of a doctor. I just want to make sure that everything that we do is, is making sure that there's not something that's festering that's going to cause a problem later on. Um, okay, so... The liver starts making these inflammatory markers, acute phase reactants, and then um, antibodies are coming up and they start to get attached to the spike proteins and then they start to settle in various tissues. And in those tissues, the inflammatory response, because the, the spike protein antibody connection that's an uh, immune complex, um, they can start to cause damage. And what they like to hang out is in the vessels, so they get vascular damage. And uh, so now we see the, the vessels that are starting to have blood vessel surface issues and they become clotting issues. Um, and even like what's called factor five, four um, clotting issues that go along with it. So there, there has to be more testing in people that have these issues. And unfortunately, right now, um, at least for what we see in our office, we don't see that your insurance company is picking that up. But when you have these issues, you've got to figure out, okay, what's, what's the most important? You need to have as much information for your doctor to help you as possible uh, to go along. So the, the spike protein is directly harmful. And the spike protein can cause immune dysregulation, which in turn causes inflammation and clotting. And then depending on where the, the tissue is, well, what is it going to do? But the, the spike protein is also like the antigen that presents it to your immune system so it can figure out what the heck it is. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword. Again, this one's reacting completely different than, than anything else. And one of the things that the spike protein goes to, especially in women, is the ovaries. And that if it stays there long enough, women become infertile. So my mantra on this we're seeing birth rates go down we're seeing fertility issues going up and yes there was all kinds of things that happened way before this but this is a this is a game changer when it comes to fertility so we want to do everything we can to help get this out of this so modern vaccines have what's called lipid nanoparticles and it's made up of four pieces of lipids which is a fat so um Let's say I got a backpack, and I, I mean my back, my backpack has four components. I mean you've got um, a zipper that goes into my backpack. I've got a strap that um, whether it's on your or arms or maybe you got one of those ones you're gonna go like hiking and it, and it has another strap that connects in the front that goes through there. Um, I might have um, a pad that goes onto the shoulders that's underneath the strap so it doesn't dig into me, and then we have to, like use a canvas or something like that that goes through there. So out of these four pieces that are on there, there were two that the body already knew and, and they had. And there are two pieces that are new. And so when research is done, they want to see, did anything happen to the stuff that's already there? Is there any reaction that comes along with it? And then specifically, what's happening to this new stuff? So the new stuff, we'll call them, again, antigens because they're outside of the body. It's new to the body. The body doesn't know what's going on. Now, understand that all of us have lipid nanoparticle um, 
processes that go through the cells. And now we're the, the, the following is to try to find out this messenger RNA that's coming from COVID or COVID vaccine. And so mRNA proteins aren't like other proteins. They don't just go in and out of a cell as they see fit. They have to be usually connected to these lipid pieces and then they can come in and out and they get circulated in the body once they're injected. So if, if it, let's say it comes in through your nose or your eyes, okay, most of it's going to stay there and then the rest of it circulates through uh, out your body. Same with a, an injection. So if you have any of these shots, 80% of it stayed at the side of the injection and the other 20% went to other parts of your body. So, um, and, and one of the things that, that it tends to go to um, because of metabolism is the ovary and the liver. Um, and the, the ovary has a different um, metabolism system that's going on there and that's um it, it's just the way that this was called pathophysiology this this particular virus is, is going around so now because of this we have a new type of fat a new type of lipid and again 80 percent of it gets metabolized at the injection site the other 20 percent gets circulated in the body and hopefully it's cleared between two and eight days but that doesn't always happen and this happens because some tissue has greater metabolism and some tissue has lesser metabolism um the ovaries have um, their own set of metabolism and that's saying tends to target it via the spike protein. So when you get a shot a vaccine into the deltoid muscle, um, there's a possibility that about 20% gets in the blood and the rest of it stays in the, the cell, the deltoid muscle, the muscle cell itself. Um, and that now uh, muscle has lipid nanoparticle and it has mRNA. When it's picked up by the muscle cell, um, then the RNA becomes free, it attaches to the ribosome, the ribosome then makes more spike protein. That's literally how it works. So cells do this all the time. It, it picks this up and it makes this, it, it, it recognizes this. That's what, I mean, the whole point of hormones, you get what's called a, a neurotransmitter. The neurotransmitter comes in and binds to um, a hormone receptor and the hormone receptor then tells the cell to start getting to work. So you might have a little bit of neurotransmitter or a little bit of hormone um, that comes along. Because think about if anybody's ever taken hormone, let's say they take a thyroid hormone or estrogen or whatnot, your entire body has all these things that need to go on, but you take this itty-bitty, itty-bitty thing, and it has such an amplification factor. Um, it's called a cascading event or a cas um, the cascade pathway where one neurotransmitter makes a 1,000 hormones and a 1,000 hormones makes a million proteins. So that's really how it goes. And these spike proteins are kind of getting into that um, cascade and they're starting to do things. So sometimes the immune system does well and sometimes these hang around and just really, with the dysregulation, cause a problem. Okay. So let's go back to the in 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 injection site. So locally to the injection site of what's called a, a germinal center and that's what we'll call it the local lymph node. Just close. So the local lymph nodes have a germinal center and they can find that. Apologize, that's my good friend Danny the German short hair pointer who has decided that somebody has entered our domain and that she must get there. And maybe she's just upset with the whole spike protein thing, maybe um, because dogs do get vaccinated for coronaviruses in case you've ever seen that. So at some point in this germinal center, it will get into the blood. And then we've established that the spike protein can get out and bind to this uh, ACE 
2 enzyme. And then what happens, the endothelial cell uh, causes what's called endothelial vascular dysregulation. And that cell spike protein can cause AFib, can go to the heart, can cause inflammation. Spike protein, once it gets out, can bind to antibodies. And now we have this immune complex called antigen-antibody complex that then uh, can cause even more blood vessel or tissue issues. So it, it gets a, a little bit more complicated than this. I've got this antigen and spike protein. Let's just get rid of the spike proteins. Now, all of this is we're talking about when somebody gets infected. This is what's immunology 101, but... Um, when you're getting a vaccine, you're not getting an infection. But this is different. And so it's possible that when somebody has a, a vaccine, um, you get memory and B cells that start doing the same thing that's going through there. And that immune cells become memory cells and they start living in lymph nodes and lymph nodes um, uh, start to, to leak out and then the immune cells go on down the road. And so in, in so many of these cases, when we're talking about long COVID, they make inflammatory markers and um, inflammatory molecules for a long time. That's where we're at, and that's why this is going to be an ongoing uh, thing that's going on. And that, um, in in a perfect world, you have something that comes in regulatory and is um, it, it turns things off. We have to have um, T regulation cells that that go in through there, but even though the T regulation cells come up and they, they block this thing because of these spike proteins, it like turns it right back on. So then we have like these reactivated issues. So people that have Epstein-Barr reactivated, people have Lyme reactivated, people have hepatitis B, hepatitis C, um, shingles reactivated. What if somebody never had allergies before? Uh, this is where the mast cell comes in uh, and, and they may come to the office. Why Why do I have these allergies? I've never had allergies before. Well, here's why they had this spike protein that got in there and it started to um, become active and they started to react to foods. They started to react to pollens. Um, they started to react to other things in their environment. This is where, um, what this dadgum thing does is it switches the type of antibodies make. There's there's like five different types of antibodies and they're, they're immunoglobulins, but they could be uh, G, D, A, M, E. Yep, yeah, so all all the different types and they can actually switch classes so if you're just making like normal antibodies igm and igg which is what's typically tested in covid coronavirus testing uh, on the flip side you can be making um, um, ige's now to <laughs> the rest of the world now mast cells are turned on and now you have all these these allergies so it, it becomes what's called mast cell priming is the term for it now if you've listened to any of my like neurology podcasts when it came to alzheimer's parkinson's uh concussions that comes along there's such, a, there's such a thing in the immune system and the brain that's called microglial priming and so the microglial uh, prime and they're completely active all the time so that's how somebody can have a concussion and then four months later or whatnot they get a cold and then all their concussion symptoms come back which tells you that their microglial is primed primed and this is why I, I i got so angry this year and upset i saw a football player a quarterback get hit and he had clearly had trouble walking and going around and his coach tweeted on the way home yeah we're just sitting here watching a movie on the plane together and i'm like this guy clearly had microglial priming i mean that's with all the information the research that's been out there what in the world i mean even like little league football coaches not not the, the staff the coaches know 
let's not have little Timmy watch, uh, play video games or get on his, his, his phone or any, any, anything like that. It's when we are have a suspect or confirmed concussion, but yet they're, they were doing this. It's the microglioplamine for this individual. Well, the immune system in the event of COVID, especially long haulers is mast cell priming and you get mast cells that turn into allergies. And this, this is, this is also new, something that, that hasn't happened. So, this cycle can be created. It doesn't really matter how. So there's there's two different, two different parts of the immune system where you get a vaccine or you've got COVID itself or, or both. You know, you can get co-infections that go along with it, but it, it really doesn't matter. Uh, we're getting through there and you're finding spike protein in the blood, whether it's a vaccination or infection. And even though there might be a normal response that comes along, um, th- these are the tests that need to come of it and why I bring it up. Just briefly, like T regulatory cells, T memory cells, T helper cells. Well, those can also be overly primed too. So if the memory cells get overly primed, it goes into your bone marrow. Now these spike proteins are hanging out in your, your bone marrow. And all these cells have been, at some point, they're programmed to, self, to give themselves a self-destruct signal. It's called apoptosis. They're apoptosis, depending on where in the United States you live. I mean, uh, belly button could be an umbilicus, um, but if you get to the deep south, it's umbilicus. Uh, I know that. It, it just, as I traveled and gone to all these different conferences and whatnot over the past 30 years, it um, um, every now and then it catches me. I'm like, oh, okay, that's, that's just how they say it here. We have a big country. <laughs> we have a lot of dialect um, that goes on with it. So these, these cells are sitting in there in the bone marrow, and they have no kill cell. So what clinically, what, what is somebody supposed to do? How do you kill a B cell? So let's say somebody has a B cell disease. It's called leukemia or myeloma or something like that. So what do they do? Chemotherapy, radiation. Um, are we going to start doing that with everybody for COVID? No. Um, again, this is why it, it, it just gets more and more complicated and confusing as, as what's going on. So... The spike protein was accepted into uh, medical journals and the Journal of Immunology and made it to the, um, in November 15th of 2021. So the spike protein has been around for about a year and a half. And in Skinny, the, the, this whole paper really, when there was access, when the spike protein entered the circulation, it eventually get to the spleen. And the spleen has to have blood circulate through it, of course, just like every other thing. And so the cleanup system in the spleen are like, um, they're little packets that come out. It tries to break things down and then hopefully it gets cleaned up, uh, liver, kidney, and then it goes out in these immune complexes. The macrophages cleanup system in the, in the spleen usually catch this and usually eat them up and then, then it, it just goes through. It seems, though, from this research thing in spike protein, that the vaccine is inducing an immune reactivity within the spleen, meaning they're not eating them up as they normally did. Uh, it wasn't expected. Now, these little packets, um, exosomes is really what they're called, these little packets that are supposed to be eaten up. So they've taken these packets, which have spike protein in there, and just the spike protein alone, they injected them in the rats because they wanted to know what was going on. Because with vaccine, it's creating this problem. So is this problem something that needs to be dealt with? So they injected them in the rats and nothing happened. They didn't get sick. 
they didn't have anything else break down. So then they injected them with actual COVID. And what happened to the rats? Well, the rats exposed the virus, defended it. And so that was, again, something else that we didn't know about. So in, in knowing so, there might be an immu- a new immunotherapy that comes along with it where we're actually getting um, spike protein antibodies. The monoclonal antibodies may not go to the other thing, but maybe spike protein antibodies that can be beneficial. So spike protein is very weird. It's more apt to be present in people who have long COVID or symptoms that occur after after they've had COVID or people that already have a immune response um, or, or have another things going on. But in other people, it doesn't appear to do much of anything negative or if they had access, whether it's vaccine or the, the um, getting it themselves, they have a spike protein. Their immune system reacted much the same as rats did. And so as these new um, mutations come along, called the next generation of, of coronavirus, they're, they're, they're cruising and doing just great. Um, and we'll talk about genetics of things that come in there. The big picture is I don't want anybody to be scared or you know um, feel like they need to isolate and mask up and be alone for the rest of their life. That's not how humans are supposed to live. Uh, I mean, I'm just trying, trying to provide the information of, of what we're supposed to do. A very small amount of people got very, very sick and died very quickly. Um, and that... That is sad, but really big picture, that's a really, really, really small number when you're talking about a virus. However, we have to be clear that in the future and other things we have to look at, this is a different, this is a totally different thing. Um, what is what is this M protein does? We know, we know it goes to different tissues of the body. I'll get more detail on that. But um, one of the tissues that it goes to is the olfactory nerve and the olfactory centers in the brain. So when some people passed away, um, this is a, a study of nature from March of uh, 2020. Some of these people donated their brains to science, and what they found, um, and we're talking actual COVID, not the vaccine, because the vaccine really wasn't around in 2020 to the degree that it is today. And, and while there is people that have Guillain-Barre and other neurological symptoms, um, and it, it may be a similar mechanism, but probably a little different. So with these COVID, just COVID patients, this is the part that they got a little uh, um, that I ha- you probably haven't heard of in the literature that really helped. I mean, not, not necessarily helped in our office. It helped us understand why it was so dadgum important for everybody to have a neurological exam. When we're talking about balance. What's your response to light? What's your response to stresses? Uh, can you feel things? Can you hear things? Can you smell things? Um, can you move things? We're really checking the integrity of the nervous system. And and it needs to happen, not just like, okay, when you first go to see a doctor, that's it. We'll never do that again because everything was fine. No, you evolve. You change as a human being. So every six months to a year, you need to have a reexamination, period. Um, and, you know, I, I try to emphasize that with with our own patients. And, and again, I got that takes time and it takes money. But you, you got to have somebody look into it. And I, I mean... The good thing is a lot of the testing that we do is non-invasive. And even in our own family, I, I mean, we're just line up in front of me. Let's do this. <laughs> um, and if there's something missing there, then, then we, we start to, to work. Well, well, what can we do to help that? And it's it's not all dementia and Alzheimer's. I mean, this thing is different. So what COVID did is it it created in these cadavers 25, 20, 20% reduction in global brain size. 
when you're looking at a 20% loss, you're looking at Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia. You're looking at um, what's called MR, which is uh, the abbreviation for mental retardation, when it is like complication. So uh, a Down syndrome child will have a little less brain matter, but it's not, it can be fully functioning. Same with, with an autistic child. But as they get later in life, and we, we've seen a few cases that have come in and they start to really isolate themselves. They don't want to be around anything because everything stimulates them too much. And they, they can't, they're, they're still happy, but they're not, they, they just can't be in society anymore. When they, they run and have enough um, MRIs of the brain, they notice that they lost a significant amount of brain matter. And that, that's not good. So the one that, that particularly loses it here is the frontal lobe. And the frontal lobe is responsible for executive functions in our personality. And then it starts to move on to hippocampal areas and amygdala and olfactory areas. So hippocampus is going to be your short-term memory. Amygdala is going to be, um, well, you're you're going to have something in your amygdala, like your limbic system, that's going to have your emotions. Um, and then olfactory areas, you're, you're smelling. So limbic areas, emotions, and memory, uh, they go along and they attach things together. So for instance, if you ever had... Um, the smell of chocolate chip cookies, you know, as you walk into home or somewhere, maybe somebody's cooking it and you smell it and you're like, I really like chocolate chip cookies. Every time I eat it, it makes me feel great. Or I, I've had an emotion. We had a, I mean, my husband or my wife, we got married and over a chocolate chip cookie recipe or I don't know what you just, you, you get what I'm saying with that versus, um, the day I was served with papers for being a divorce, um, I was cooking chocolate chip cookies. So from now on, the chocolate chip cookie smell, even though there's not a chocolate chip cookie in your mouth or in your hand that you can feel or texture or see it, you can smell it and now it goes to your limbic system and you have an emotion that's like, this is bullshit. I hate this. It's a terrible thing. It's, divorce is rough. So I'm, I'm just showing that out there, you know, somebody passes away. So there's the connection that goes through there. So uh, these these parts of the brain are, are getting hit. And so um, the olfactory bulb is at the roof at the top of our nose. Um, and we have, uh, it's called a cribriform plate. It's a very top bone and up, up under, you know, if you push way up in your nose or you really have to look at an anatomy a chart to take a look at it. But the, the cribriform plate has little holes in these holes or a factory nervous that come through and pop to the top of our nose. Um, and so there are smells that get into a factory nerve and they go back to the hippocampus and the amygdala and then the, the limbic system. The point of those smells is not only do we smell it, we identify it, and we also use taste to create flavor. This is what brain integration is. Similarly, smells integrated to the food. And sometimes you smell something, you're like, oh, that's delicious. And sometimes you smell something like, no, we're not eating that today. But as I told you about the chocolate chip cookies, I, th I bet all of you, not one of you smelled it, unless you're making chocolate cookies at home. But you know what a chocolate chip cookie is, and you can envision the chocolate chip cookie. You can envision the, the well, I like the chewy, or I like mine crispy on the bottom, or I like mine with dark chocolates, or I like mine with, with nuts. Um, however you want it. We all like things differently. I, won't, I will not disclose what my favorite one is. Um, but we all see that. It, it's refreshing your brain, and you can see it. It's part of your visual system that comes in there. So what happens with COVID, SARS-CoV-2, is not it? And infects the supporting cells of this olfactory mucosa because you have to have snot uh, at the very base of that because it, it lubricates and it connects the air collects the smell particles as it goes through there and now we have an infection of the olfactory system meaning that 
um, the branches of the nerve supported by local epithelial there is now inflamed. And when you have inflamed, the supporting nutrients aren't getting there. And so they're not getting healthy. And so they're, they're starting to break down. So this local inflammation then releases inflammatory markers and toxic substances that are damaging to the nerve. This is why priming, like glial priming, when somebody has another glial priming incident, that means their brain's dying. More, more brain cells are dying. When you have immune priming, there's going to be more immune cells that die. When you have neurological immune priming, such as in COVID SARS uh, response, you have, we'll call it olfactory nerve priming, and it starts to kill itself. It doesn't function in the same way. And then it starts to feed into the brain. So all the different parts that smell goes into that I just spoke of. You know, if you smell gas, like um, not, not your friend, gas in the house, you're going to get the hell out of there. It's a fight or flight, right? Um, so there's, there's, there's smells that alarm you. Um, if you have a baby and you smell a different type of gas, you're like, well, the baby needs to be changed. Um, that's not necessary. It all depends how emotionally you are to that. If it's really disgusting, there might be an emotion that comes to it. But <laughs> We all know what we're talking about, but now we don't have this system and it doesn't feed into our limbic system. It doesn't feed into our, our, um, our, our taste. It doesn't feed into, which means that you're going to start making saliva when you smell things that are pleasant to you. And so your digestive system is turned off. Your motivation is turned off. Your emotions are turned off. And so when those things stop working, your brain starts dying. That's the whole point of what I'm trying to get with the spike protein and what it can do um, in the brain. So let's go to a little bit more, more detail. Does there 72 different tissues have been identified with a spike protein. And that's why that you can get so daggum many symptoms and side effects that go along with spike protein pathology. Uh, it's just out there. But um, if you're listening, I want you to know that it affects females more than men. Um, because it has everything to do with the female immune system. The female immune system is a little bit more reactive for quite a few reasons, especially procreation, which means they're also sensitive to being autoimmune. And more women, about 8 to 1 to men, suffer from autoimmune disorders. And this spike protein tends to exacerbate, exacerbate or increase somebody's risk, women, to the activation of their immune system or underlying conditions that they might have been kept in check. So like... Um, mycotoxins maybe they had mold um you live in mold you work in mold and that you were keeping it in check and not anymore uh cytomegalovirus epstein-barr um shingles you're getting shingles reactions uh and and young people um that or they didn't have autoimmunity and now they do or they're getting infection is sick again and again and again but they're not told that they have covid or these other things um so Spike protein from 20 years ago, again, COVID or coronavirus has been known for years. In fact, 1985, one of the medical books I have just says it's the common cold. And so it's been studied. It's been studied for 20 years, but this is different. COVID, um, this, this SARS COVID is 10 times more potent or more deadly. And what's the term of that is called pathogenic. So from 20 years ago, they've been following people who had coronavirus. And they're finding that there's an increase in type 2 diabetes. And that's 10 to 12 years out from its initial infection. So understand that um, we still need to be running those tests for inflammation in the body and recuse phase reactions um, to make sure that you don't have any of these things going on and, and, and try to live a lifestyle that helps to prevent these things. The spike protein itself, by nature, is always mutating. 
So with coronavirus, the normal thing, we have a protein that's called furin um, and another one that's called trypsin. And what they do is they break. So trypsin, like, is, is anything that's an ion, is, uh, they're protein enzymes and they break things down. So they cleave and separate these spike proteins one and two. Um, unfortunately, and so so in the, in the past, all the other coronaviruses, including your puppy doggies, when you give them a vaccine or whatever that happened to them, or they got exposed to another dog that had coronavirus for whatever reason, um, they would have this very similar effect, just like we would. It breaks it down, it, it, and now you have two little pieces. The immune system goes and gobbles it up. No problem. Bye-bye. Not today. So with this spike protein now, all of a sudden, the the spike protein becomes more pathogenic for the human cells. That's where this spike protein has become, damn it, what, what, can, what, we, what can we do about it? And how do we, we get along with it? And as the continuation of COVID and long haulers and post what's called post-acute syndrome, um, and, and syndromes are not a disease because it's just stuff that's hanging around and, and you really don't know what is going on. This is why there's such a, a huge dose of 30% of people I mean, understanding it, especially in the United States, we're like 39th, 40th in the world in health. We're not healthy. Um, you know, America is a, a great place, but it isn't number one. And I mean, we're not number one in math. We're not number one in um, health. We're not number one in, um, you know, life expectancy. We're not number one in happiness. We're, we're not number one. I, I feel we should be. I feel, feel that we should be striving for that. And these are why I have these podcasts. Is I feel that at least one part. I can't. I can't fix the economy. <laughs> I can't. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. I can't fix. You know how people think about each other. That's that's not it. But if I can make it healthy, hopefully you find enough energy to find happiness. And then whatever it is you do and whatever you're good at, you can make a difference in your world. And if we all do that, this this thing can get better. Our, our world can get better. It doesn't have to be all dark and nasty and everybody's pointing fingers and everything. But I also want you to understand that 30% of people who have had COVID are going to have long haul syndrome and they're going to feel like shit all the time. And so we got to help them. We got to get in front of it because, you know, if if one out of three people that you run into feels like crap all the time, they're going to treat you for the most part like crap. And we know that in the office. We we give people some grace when they first come in and then they should start feeling better and then it, it goes away. So if somebody had mycotoxins or they lived in a moldy house or they had Lyme and they didn't really know it or they had fibromyalgia but hasn't been really been diagnosed, endometriosis, symptoms, chronic fatigue symptoms, and they don't have a diagnosis, or if they did have a diagnosis, even worse, um, and, and we've got a, like 100 different autoimmune diseases and we have people that have Epstein-Barr and cytomegavirus and parvovirus and parasites and cancers and other things, spike protein can really affect them in a negative way. And then they start to get, especially if there's a a blood-brain barrier issue because of the spike protein, they get brain fog and cognitive issues. And oh, by the way, now you get clotting disorders and AFib and um, cardiomyopathies. It goes on and on. Well, what if you've had uh, an acute heart attack or what's called an acute myocardial infarction or stroke um, or sleep disorders, insomnia, lightheadedness, uh, tachycardia, blood pressure spikes, uh, AFib, I mean... You could have had all those pre-COVID, but now we have to look at you more of a protective side of it than not because we know that these things can go and affect these conditions. I mean, in our office, we we used to have a large population of chronic Lyme disease. Our chronicity Lyme disease has been really stable. I hope not, but I understand what the literature is saying that a lot of these people are going to get reactivated. 
Um, same with people who have been doing really well with their blood pressure, how a lot of these things are going to be reactivated. People that have been stable and had zero, I mean, like we, we've had people that have had Hashimoto's that, that they're thriving so well, they can't even, you can't even find an antibody in them. Um, I have a feeling that, you know, 30% of them, it's going to be reactivated again, or the hormones that have come up, they're going to be reactivated again. So it makes it a little difficult for a clinician. You have 200 different symptoms from what a spike protein can do. I mean, we're going to... I can't imagine at some point we're really going to have just like, here's your COVID sheet symptom form and go through it and tell me when you had it and what'd you do and what vaccine you had. If you had one, or you didn't have one um, and go through it. And then we have to make sure you don't have any of these co-infections, whether it's Lyme, Borrelia, Burgdorferi, Babesia, um, Epstein-Barr. Again, all, all the common infections that come along with this where you can get that. Now, when people get these weird things like COVID toes or COVID fingers that are weird rashes that tend to pop up, um, we know that that's probably a spike protein. And a lot of people just go to the doctor and they get, um, doctor will give them a, a steroid and it makes it go away. But we have to start looking and going, wait, 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 why did you get that? Um, that's not normal. Um, is there another underlying condition or something that's going on or co-infection going with and you've got the spike proteins there and are we going to be looking at something bigger in the future? And that's that's my my mantra here, what I'm what I'm trying to say. Now, now some people get, um, because it goes to the brain, they get psychiatric, schizophrenic, manifestations and they you can get that in babesia or chronic lyme or epstein-barr um but now we're getting that and seeing it and it's being reported not only just depression anxiety and cognitive decline that looks exactly like alzheimer's but you can get schizophrenic like things that's where uh, it starts to look like a prion disease or christopher yakov disease and it's not it's 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 that related so i know you have a lot of places you can go and get information and listen about um, whatever it is in your health. And I appreciate you coming and listening to ours. Um, great health is not to be a mission impossible. And uh, that concludes our spike protein talk. Um, we'll start getting into toxins and mast cell um, activation uh, next because I brought those along. And then uh, as we get through here, I'll get into other conditions that, that are more specific and then into treatments. So there, there's a lot of information. There will probably be at least four or five other pathophysiology um, things to look at and why we do what we do. Um, I wish you all the best of health. If you like our podcast, please share it with others so that more people can learn about what they need to do for the future. I'm Dr. Alan Trites. Great health does not have to be a mission impossible. This podcast, Great Health Does Not Have to Be a Mission Impossible, provides you information about evidence-based strategies for Hashimoto's hypothyroidism, gut health problems, digestion, autoimmune disease, brain health issues, and many other chronic health conditions. If you enjoy this podcast, you can find more information on today's episode, nutrition, Dr. Trite's blog, and many other topics at choosenewleaf.com. There you'll have all the information, and thank you for listening to this podcast. The best thing to do is sign up for his newsletter, where he'll update you on the latest research and clinical strategies related to chronic and autoimmune health conditions. You can find Dr. Trite's social media on Instagram and Facebook with the username New Leaf Health. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional health care services, including the giving of medical advice. Note, no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and materials linked to the podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment.
Users should not delay or disregard obtaining medical advice for any medical conditions they have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions.